tonight's live recap of Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 2. Stormborn is just 60 seconds away. But first, let me just take a moment and thank our sponsor. And those are our friends over at TrueCar. Because there's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can help you buy a used car. In fact, there's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car Certified Dealer Network. You'll get to see what other people paid for the car that you want so you can get a fair price and feel confident you won't feel ripped off like Jorah's Grayscale. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy car buying experience. And with True Car, you'll easily find the newer used car that you want. True Car users experience an average savings of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Game of Thrones Season 7 Episode 2 is over, but we are just getting started here on our Game of Thrones Live here on Post Show Recaps. Uh, Stephen Fishback, how are you? Wow, I feel like I've got PTSD. I'm ready to throw myself off the side of the ship. What a, what a crazy... What a crazy battle to end, uh, you know, a good episode. I, I thought this was a great show tonight, and yeah. uh, I was uh, on the edge of my seat at the end of the night here with not knowing what was going to happen in this huge battle at sea, and a lot to break down, Stephen. And, and I'm happy to have one of the most clever men that I know here with us tonight, and I will listen to you, <laughs> and hopefully and that will, I will stay alive even though I listen to yeah. you, and and very excited to talk about this episode. Uh, yeah, huge it for, night. It, for, yeah, it, was, it was a crazy night. A lot of like really fun uh, confrontations. You know, a lot of uh, just sort of like great one-on-one conversations. And uh, end, ended with a big battle. And then, you know, setting up some other big things clearly in the near future. Okay. And I think there's a lot to discuss because oh. a lot of strategy. Yes, yeah, A lot of strategy was talked about. Uh, a lot of decisions were made. And I'm not on board with all the decisions. I'm just going to like lay it out there out of the gate. I think some mistakes are being made here, Rob. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. really excited to get into everything. And we're going to talk a lot of strategy tonight because I think that there was, uh, you know, a few fishies uh, will be given out tonight <laughs> because there was some poor strategic choices made. And so we'll talk about everything. Fishies floating in the ocean right now with Theon, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we will talk about all of that here on Post Show Recaps. If you're watching us here live on our Post Show Recaps Facebook page, you can comment along with us and ask us your questions here during the show. Of course, uh, we have a lot more Game of Thrones coming up this week. Josh Wiggler and I will do our deep dive, much like Theon did uh, a deep dive uh, <laughs> earlier tonight. He, uh, we will I have. A, I hope that's not right. Yeah, we too uh, will go overboard with everything about Game of Thrones. Uh, myself and Josh Wiggler so coming two up. Feckless cowards. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I don't think it was feckless. Uh, <laughs> that what they said. But we have, will have that for you guys on Tuesday, and then our feedback show coming up later in the week. Make sure you don't miss any of that. When you subscribe to the podcast, go to postshowrecaps.com/slash/got iTunes, and we do appreciate your feedback and star ratings here at the start of the season. All right, Stephen, so 
I, I want to get uh, pick up here with uh, Daenerys, and we saw the start of the episode yes. and coming up with the big plan of what they were going to do. And there was a lot of talk about how, boy, if Viserys was here, he would have already gone to Westeros. We right. need to play it smart. We've got they're, they're so out, man. They're so outnumbered. We've got them dead to rights. Let's come up with this sort of cockamamie plan plan where okay we we need to we, let's not bring the dothraki let's not bring the unsullied let's just attack them with traditional dornish armies and the tyrell army and then they will just will siege king's landing and cersei will just uh, relinquish to us and it was not how they drew it up uh, well, first of all, it was infuriating, right? Just ha- watching them have that conversation. You know, Tyrion says conquering Westeros would be easy for you, but let's not do that. Let's not let's not go mm-hmm. down that path. Yeah. You know, Tyrion's point is you're not here to be queen of the ashes. Uh, we can take the seven kingdoms without turning it into a slaughterhouse that by attacking King's Landing head on, you know, some, somehow this is going to be a huge uh, slaughter. It's going to lead, you know, it's going to turn all the all the potential allies against them. But his counter proposal, which is like, let's lay siege to King La- King's Landing, uh, thereby starving all of the thousand, you know, the, the however many people are in King's Landing. And meanwhile, we'll slaughter people somewhere else. You know, we'll slaughter people in Casterly Rock. It just it seemed like nonsense to me, Rob. Uh, it, it just, you know, these these major wars are won by taking King's Landing. You know, that's how Rob that was the end of Robert's Rebellion. Right. It was when they took King's Landing. They uh, they killed a, You know, they. They killed Aegon or Jamie killed Aegon. And that was the end of that. Seizing that throne, taking that source of power. It just it seemed like such a terrible decision to delay that and not just go right in for the kill. And no, then- I, I agree with what you're saying. It does feel like that they got uh, way too cute with everything uh, with this plan. You would feel like at the very least, why not go by King's Landing and just do like a buzz them with a dragon? <laughs> what, what a, right. Yeah. yeah. Just do the flyby. Yeah, do a flyby and just uh, show them what's going on. And then who knows, you know, maybe the Lannister army is just going to, uh, you know, head for the hills once they see one of those dragons. But they were deciding to uh, bide their time. You feel like that if the dragons would have been along with the Yara and Theon fleet, they could have just uh, taken out Euron like that. Yeah, yeah. Send send the dragons basically everywhere. Uh, like, I, I think the, you know, the underutilization of the dragons has been Danny's you know, Achilles heel this whole time. You know, this has been the whole frustration with Danny. The entire show is just, just go, just go do it. You know, you got the army, you got the dragons, just, just go, just go take over Westeros. And Lady Olena had that scene with her where she talked about how, look, okay, uh, your hand, he's a clever guy. I don't listen to clever people. I, you know, trust my instincts and you're the dragon, be the dragon. And it right. feels like, you know, hindsight being 2020, that was the better move for Daenerys. I mean, clearly sending this fleet to, uh, you know, was a was a terrible decision to King's Landing. You know, that obviously, I mean, you know, I, I, they couldn't have known Euron was going to, you know, come out after them like in that in that way you know it seemed like a sort of traditionally tactical move but to olena's point you know why are you using these traditional tactics you know you spent all this time building up this super army why are you holding back it it, it felt to me honestly it felt more like it was necessary from a show perspective than it made sense from a story perspective they're like well you know 
in all of the preseason stuff you did with Josh, you're like, how is Danny not just going to, you know, plow right on in there and destroy everyone? Well, apparently through just terrible decision making. <laughs> yeah. She's just going to bide her time. She's got to have yeah. Jon Snow come and meet her. Going to have a lot of meetings. Going to have a loyalty test for Varys. Make sure that he's <laughs> on the right side of the numbers. You know, it's very important to Daenerys uh, to have loyalty. Everybody has to be so uh, loyal to Daenerys. I thought she was uh, really overly harsh on Varys there tonight. I don't know why she was picking on him, of all people. Yeah, it seemed to really come out of nowhere. You know, she she all the kind of just uh, turned on him and, you know, if uh, said you know, said that, you know, this is a guy who bounces from king to king. I, how do I trust that he's going to be loyal to me? Now, wh- what, did, what did you make of that conversation? Did you feel like that she was being unfair to him? Yeah, I just felt like that she was sort of picking on Avaris. And, you know, we've had this storyline in the background uh, this season and really for the last couple seasons of how much like her father is right. Daenerys. You know, it does she have these mad queen tendencies where will would she strike Varys down there for no reason and just sort of hear somebody who's helping her and she's just going to, you know, feel like, okay, well, you know, I've had enough of you and feed him to the dragons. And ultimately she sort of makes him beg to stay alive. And she warns him, if you ever cross me, I will feed you to the dragons. But I was worried for Varys for a minute. I mean, to be fair, Varys did participate in a plot to kill her. Like, yes. if you participated in a plot to kill me, I would not be podcasting with you right but, now. But, hypothetically, if yeah. that plot... Let's just say that I was in this plot to kill you, but I didn't know who you were yet. I sort of knew <laughs> we, of you. No. Right. Uh, yeah. I had a plot. You know, I, I was all JT all the way, and I was really <laughs> trying to prop him up. And I said, sure, yeah. kill the other guy. But yeah. then I came to know you. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is actually uh, the real deal. I don't know if I would necessarily, like, trust you a hundred percent, but you know, I think Varys, you know, smooth talker as he is, made an incredibly compelling point. And I always love it when Varys starts talking about his roots, you know, his like humble origins among the people, and like I'm loyal to the people. Like, what a great speech that was! I kind of thought that she was going to give Varys the yeah, okay, Varys, we've all heard this speech before yeah. for the people, for the realm, yada yada yada. We know, we know, because you've heard him do that uh, that whole spiel a couple of times uh, before yeah. in the show. But it ends up playing well for Varys. But I, I really was curious as to know why were we seeing that at that particular moment? You know, part of it I thought was just kind of giving these these characters a chance to play off each other. You know, last episode we had this, you know, really powerful scene where you have like all the most talkative characters on the show completely silent. You know, I think hearing them strategize, hearing them scheme, hearing the power dynamics between them, that was just exciting to see. I mean, do you think that there's... You think something's going to come of this, Rob? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just is uh, a little bit of that. Danny has these tendencies of not being able to trust people in her inner circle. We already have the whole uh, Jorah uh, saga. But as uh, Doreen brings up here, the Varys and Danny conversation needed to happen. Otherwise, Danny looks stupid trusting right. Varys. Uh, she needed to get her, uh, her uh, measure or his measure, uh, and Varys rocked it. So if you were saying like, "Wait, hold on," wasn't because I. I this, this argument has come up uh, a number of times. Like, wait, hold on. In season one, wasn't Varys trying to kill Daenerys? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, he has this opportunity to say, look, I didn't even know who you were. But let, let's get to the big climactic sequence at the end of the episode. First off, it was uh, just an amazing scene that I just have. I have no notes from that scene because I, I was just, I just mesmerized. Stop, stop writing. Yeah, just stop like totally typing. 
And yeah. ultimately, we're sort of uh, left wondering what's going on here. Now, we have two of the three sand snakes certainly gone. Stephen, do you know what they call two of three sand snakes now deceased? A good start. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but do we know at this time, uh, is Yara deceased is hilarious and is she gone or are they now prisoners of euron or are, are, got, are these the aforementioned presents that euron will bring to cersei yeah i you know i i i've thought for a while that this might be these might be the presents right because they're they're meaningful but they also um aren't that you know they're not like it's not Tyrion, right it's not going to derail the entire story if somehow like Tyrion like winds up in cersei's clutches um so i think these are the presents for cersei um, what did you, what did you think of this was, you know, Euron's big scene. What did you think of like Euron as the new villain? Badass. You know, it was very dark and it was hard yeah. to know who hard was fighting see. who. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, wait, is that Euron? Is that Euron? I don't know. Did he kill a sand snake? Uh, so it, it was a little tough to tell what was going on in the battle scene, but it was really fantastic action. And it was, uh, just, you know, Euron is delivering right now. I loved Euron. I do want to say, though, a lot of the preseason hype was about how he was going to be an even bigger villain than Ramsey. I mean, I thought like Euron was like the wild homicidal maniac. You know, he's fun to watch. He's like really fun to watch in battle. But I, I don't think he was Ramsey level. I think, you know, Ramsey was a true sadist. You know, Ramsey also had a lot more like lead time where they could really build up Ramsey over many seasons. You know, the Euron's just got to like jump in and seize our attention. Where is this Theon story going now? He sort of left for dead. He has this crew moment where Yara has found him, saved him from Ramsey, and now, or at least has given him a role after his life with Ramsey. And she describes him in the earlier scene with Ilaria, like, who's Theon going to be? Oh, he's my protector. He's going to be my protector always. And so now here is his chance to be the protector for Yara. And then everything just comes back to Theon. He ends up jumping off the boat. He's just (laughs) left for dead in uh, the middle of the, uh, what is that, the Narrow Sea? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And what, where does Theon go from here? Right. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, maybe he swims and finds Gendry. Maybe he's rescued by a Gendry in a rowboat. Well, that would be something if Gendry was just still <laughs> out there. I mean, yeah. what is Theon's arc ultimately, Stephen? Right. I mean, that's the question, right? Because, you know, he's been through this crazy traumatic event. You know, it seemed like he was rescued. It seemed like he was going to have an opportunity to redeem himself, right? Like maybe, uh, you know, I think you and, and Josh, maybe we're talking about what, what happens when Theon meets up with Jon Snow. Like what, what happens there? And... Um, Suddenly he's like, you know, off the boat again, you know, this, his whole PTSD basically catches up with him and he's just like has flashbacks and, and completely flees. So I don't know where Theon goes from here. I mean, do you see a Theon Renaissance, a Theonaissance? I don't know. The only thing that I could think of now is, is Theon's arc to ultimately come back and be Euron's undoing, but I just don't see how we get back to that point. I don't know if he ends up sort of like washing ashore somewhere. Does Jon Snow, That it's a good point that you bring up about Jon heading towards Dragonstone, does he end up spotting him in, I mean, I guess it's a small world, and he ends up (laughs) running into the wreckage of these ships 
yeah, that could be it. I mean, I have kind of like a lot, like a, a sub theory. that's not even a fully fleshed theory that the end of this show, it's going to be kind of like the end of the play King Lear, where basically all the big characters, spoiler alert for King Lear, basically <laughs> all the big characters have died. Um, and, you know, you kind of have like a bunch of like wimpy characters and they're just like, uh, what do we do now? And I can see Theon kind of being in that role. You know, he just like l- exists like a like a weasel for the, the entirety of the show. And it's just like one of the guys there at the end, like trying to pick up the wreckage ineffectually. So are we on the same page that we think uh, Yara and Ilaria, they are still alive? I think, you know, as always on Game of Thrones, if you don't see him die, they're still alive. Yeah, that's a fair point. And... I think that for Cersei, I don't know necessarily what she would want with Yara Greyjoy. That might just be, you know, uh, for Euron, that's his own little pet thing of like, okay, well, that, that means a lot to me to have her prisoner. But in terms of Hilaria's sand, uh, that's going to be huge for Cersei, uh, considering what happened to Marcella, who, coincidentally, her name got brought up tonight with Tyrion. So that could be a little bit of foreshadowing to Cersei wanting to have Hilaria's uh, sand back in her clutches. Sure. Right. I mean, the Marcella thing, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure I, that's I, that, I mean, that's got to be part of that gift. Right. Just that sir, this is someone who is entirely responsible for killing one of her children. I actually noticed a lot, you know, a bunch of times this episode, people kind of referred to things in the past. And, you know, I, I think it's a wonderful part of this episode. And I think it's a wonderful part of the entire show that these things have been happening over these six seasons, over these many years. And it, you know the characters remember. You know they they you the know, like, North you remembers. Yeah, the North remembers, and then the South sometimes remembers too. <laughs> then the East and the West, sure, they everybody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody remembers sometimes. It's like you know, like uh, the Ashes speech. I love that where uh, you know the, where where the Queen of Thorns was like, you know, Daenerys says, "I'm not here to be Queen of the Ashes," and the Queen of Thorns is like, "Yeah, my, you know, my daughter, uh, she's just ashes." Steven, I love that scene where it was like the uh, Justice League standing around the table of that. You (laughs) had Dorn and you had uh, the Reach and you had Danny and Tyrion and everybody just sort of sitting around. And I also kind of like that they were all sort of like off on their own tangents of like uh, (laughs) where Lady Elena was, uh, you know, actually, uh, that reminds me that of Marjorie is like, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. We know with Marjorie. She was great. She was the best. And everybody just like talking about their own their own thing and that was really fun just to see that that's the greatest thing about this season is just that so much is coming together it looks like next week we have john and danny getting together in the in the same place we just have all these characters that are everything is just there's so much gravity bringing everything together in terms of all these stories yeah exactly and that's i mean i love it and you're like i think your point about all of these different characters being like kind of lost in their own sort of like own revenge fantasies basically is so you know right every everyone who's left has been traumatized by all of the terrible things that uh george rr R. martin and weiss and benny <laughs> have put them through <laughs> Stephen, going back to daenerys and dragonstone uh, we sort of uh had this episode was called stormborn we had the uh, story of danny's birth is that a metaphor for something that happened in this episode uh the talk of the storm or is it just sort of uh setting that up as part of danny's character i mean i think a lot of it is you know that sense that danny has of like what are my roots right like who am i i mean that's kind of sort of been her her whole narrative i mean what what, what do you think about that no i mean there's nothing that really comes to mind in terms of uh why this was uh stormborn especially after last week's episode was dragonstone seems like a very danny centric titles 
We saw uh, Melisandre show up here in the episode, and she is the one to tell Daenerys that she should meet up with Jon Snow. And, of course, Tyrion is a big advocate of Jon Snow, loves the Jon yes. Snow, says, yeah. I know this guy. Let's get him in here also. And sure. so she tells him, okay, send a raven, but tell him to come here and bend the knee. Right, yeah. That's no good. No, well, that's that, that's a tough position for uh, for yeah. John to be in. Uh, let's just talk through the uh, Melisandre thing. Did we know Melisandre was heading to Dragonstone? I don't remember to be honest where we knew Melisandre was going. Um, I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not sure if we knew where where she was headed. Right, we knew that uh, Brienne wasn't very happy with her. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, it was interesting. So the whole, you know, the the you know the the prince who was promised, right? We got, yes. we got a little bit of a complication. Uh, you know, Missandei kind of throws some uh, you know some mystery into that. Okay. So there's this prophecy of the prince who was promised, but right. uh, yeah, as uh, Missandei will tell us, well, actually, uh, the translation is a prince or princess who was promised. Stephen, I know that you have probably pontificated. Uh, many a times over the years about this in your mind who is the prince or princess who was promised i think right we'd all sort of been expecting it to be john was that i think everyone are you on board with that that we were all kind of like waiting for it to be john snow and that's a little bit of a complication i mean it probably you know the the valerian linguists have been you know rolling their eyes this whole time at us for not knowing about this grammatical quirk but uh you know what, what are you? Do you think that this could mean that that Danny is the the prince who was promised? It, it's a split debate in the uh, Thrones community. Uh, is it Danny? Is it John? Ah, could it be both? Yeah. What if What if it turns out that it's a plural word? Actually, you know, that's the real twist. That not only is it male or female, but it's actually plural. Is there any chance? Is it the field? Would you take that bet, like sort of the right, uh, double zero random. on the roulette wheel, that there's a chance that yeah. it's not John or Danny? I mean, I think that's definitely a, a strong possibility, right? I mean, and that comes back to the fundamental question of like, what is Game of Thrones? You know, in so many ways this is a a show that has really you know since the beheading of eddard stark been something that destroys that traditional narrative but you also are seeing some of those narrative threads come together so like that's the big question i'm sure we will get some more insight into that here in season seven okay so uh, speaking of john snow let's talk about what was going on with him in winterfell and we saw first the raven that he got uh you know two ravens for john snow first he had gotten the raven talking about uh from Sam talking about go to Dragonstone because they have all the dragon glass. Then also the second Raven, which was uh, from Danny, come here and bend the knee. Tyrion was there. They echo the season one uh, that uh, all uh, dwarves are bastards in the eyes of their fathers, which sort of then uh, lets him know that that's for real. And so there's a lot of talk about should should I go or should I not go, Stephen? And right. we saw him in with Sansa again, a very public sort of airing of the grievances yeah. I thought that John would have said like hey Sansa uh, you know I thought we said we we're not going to do this anymore this is like exactly what I was talking about in our last meeting <laughs> did you what, what is, so you know Sansa's argument was it's too great a risk uh you know, Jon Snow and, and Davos, Davos, Davos's argument is that, you know, this, these are the tools that we really could use. These are the tools that we need. Where, where do you come down here, Rob? I mean, for John to say that 
you know, we need this dragon glass. That yeah. I mean, that seems. I thought it was a reasonable point when Santa said, "Well, could we send an emissary?" Yeah, and he's like, "Well, no, I think I have to." I, that was a little uh, ego on the part of John Snow. Like, well, you know, they, you know, they, I, I am the king in the north, so they, only, they, a, only king a king can. can uh, yeah. Yeah. At that point, I felt like he lost uh, the high ground a little bit, but I felt like the, his point about, "Hey, we need all this dragon glass." They have the dragon glass we need to get the dragon glass in general i side with whatever liana mormon says mm-hmm. and she says like we need the king in the north in the north um and i think there's some logic there you know like you really can send an emissary i'm sure a lot is done in westeros via emissaries there's no way that any two t- anytime two kingdoms make an alliance it's like the king's meeting up you know i know joffrey didn't strike that deal you know with walter frey uh i i'm sure that you can send a trusted emissary to accomplish uh some some things yeah. I mean, could you send somebody there just to sort of like, hey, Jon Snow really has his hands full. Uh, yeah. He sent me. He's coming. He's on his way. But uh, I am here to sort of, uh, you know, just make sure everything is cool. And then Jon Snow is going to be he's going to come next. I mean, he even honestly could send Sansa for that. Right. Like she would be a great emissary for that purpose. I mean, maybe he wants to protect her uh, as, you know, uh, because she's his sister. Uh, or I guess cousin, um, but but uh, you know it, it's uh, it just seemed like a real overcommitment. I mean, on the other hand, obviously incredibly exciting from a show perspective to see this meetup that we've been waiting for for so long. Now, Stephen, last week we saw Bran make it down to the wall. Are you surprised that we didn't get to see Bran at Winterfell before John is going to head down to Dragonstone? Yeah, it was so upsetting, right? Arya turns around, she's heading north. Bran's, you know, he's he's past the wall. All of these Starks coming together, and John's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out. Yeah, true Game of Thrones fashion. That uh, he should <laughs> yeah. be leaving right when Arya gets there. But that you would think that when John was gonna meet Danny he would know the truth about their past or, or, or their, their uh, common relation, which is that uh, Danny is uh, his aunt. I guess that's right. Yeah, you, I, I kind of expected that bond to be there too. Um, I, do you think that there's... I think you were speculating or maybe Josh was speculating that Littlefinger could have been the guy to reveal that to him. I actually yeah. thought there was a chance that that was going to happen in that scene. Um Obviously didn't happen. No, that did not happen. Yeah, I was speculating that. Is it possible that Littlefinger knew about it? Because Littlefinger knows things. Uh, he, he, yeah. He's not like Tyrion who drinks and knows things. But as uh, Geek Furious pointed out in the uh, in the comments, uh, that basically, you know nothing, Rob Sesternino, that Littlefinger doesn't know <laughs> about that crap. So, no, I. but Littlefinger down in the crypts, I did think was an important moment. Because... Yes. Littlefinger down there, really a lot. I mean, we were standing in front of the statue of Ned Stark. A lot of echoes of Ned Stark and his encounter with Littlefinger from back in season one, where Littlefinger really did Ned Stark dirty. Uh, one of the many people in King's Landing who did Ned Stark dirty. And he's like, oh, I always admired your father. Uh, him and I, we were tight. We are tight. And I loved yeah. your mother and your sister. Right. Uh, basically, every yeah. member of your family. I was very, I had a yeah. very productive relationship with. And for them yeah and uh, then john snow uh or john you know king in the north threatens to kill Littlefinger if he touches sansa steven i know the theme here has been uh all this strategy talk 
Was that a bad move on Jon Snow's part? Yes. I thought that was a terrible move on Jon Snow's part. Maybe the worst thing he did this episode. Uh, he, you know, grabs Littlefinger by the neck and threatens him just before he leaves, you know, leaving Sansa, Littlefinger's, you know, ward uh, in charge. Um, and the last shot we see, you know, is of Littlefinger, you know, from that scene is of Littlefinger, you know, staring at Sansa and caressing his wounded neck. Like, this is this is something Littlefinger is going to remember and it is something that, you know, he is going to act accordingly. Right. Like this is a guy who I mean, did you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Littlefinger's uh, whole life uh, like, you know, started to head in the direction it went down when it was another Stark, when uh, Brandon yeah. Stark ended up like uh, beating him within an inch of his life uh, way back when uh, because uh, he was betrothed to uh, Catelyn. And from that point on, you know, I think that getting his ass beat by a Stark is always something that sort of like uh, is very uh, sends him in a in a bad direction yeah so so john's like i'm gonna go uh to meet with all of my enemies you know the daughter of the mad king you know the lannisters and i'm gonna leave the castle in charge of sansa and right before i do that right before i go i am going to uh threaten and attack uh, her the, the, the most nefarious person in westeros uh, it's, it's some classic stark missteps here yeah, that's not ideal. And so you really want to see what's going to happen with Sansa, whose side she's going to come down on. It seemed like that they were, John and Sansa had mended some fences last week, but you had the little finger is always one to sort of stir the pot and provoke her. So uh, we will see what Sansa will do in John's absence uh, the rest of the season. Do you think, I mean, do you think Sansa's arc is ultimately kind of going to be facing up to little finger or do you think little finger is going to get in her head well i think that ultimately sansa is going to be little fingers undoing i i do believe that but does she sort of follow little finger down a dark path for some point right right and and that obviously you know I mean, you know, we've seen Littlefinger do good things, though, right? Like whenever like whenever he's played, you know, he's played very intelligently and, and you know, for the most part, hasn't been as bloody and disruptive as basically every other you know person in this show. Mm hmm. Steven, I would be happy with Littlefinger as as as, you know, the end, you know, the, the, the prince who was promised. <laughs> Littlefinger is the prince who was <laughs> promised. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, uh, who would have seen that coming? I, I do think he'd yeah. be an effective leader. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, uh, he's a man of the people, also much li much yeah. like Varys. Uh, him and yeah. Varys are uh, very much the same thing. Okay, so Stephen, let's talk about some of the other issues going on. Uh, also, uh, by the way, Davos going to be heading with John to Dragonstone. Melisandre, yeah, and Melisandre yeah. is there. Did you, were we surprised Melisandre wasn't like? I like what you've done with this place here. Like it <laughs> yeah. feels much no. much homier now. Yeah. No acknowledgement that she had uh, been there before. But do you feel like that when we have Melisandre and Davos in the same place, is something coming to a head with them? Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I absolutely think, you know, at least they'll have a, a, you know, a tense scene together. Yeah, you would think so. Stephen, yeah. uh, l let's talk about uh, some of the other huge moments of the night. And we saw Arya. And it, first it was a hot pie reunion. And uh, much yeah. like... Hot pie. Uh, you and I are also survivors. <laughs> yeah. 
like hot pie. <laughs> Stephen, uh, were you excited to see <laughs> yet another hot pie sighting? Yeah, I think, you know, every well, actually, if you if you think about it, if you really put the evidence together, a hot pie, as Prince who was promised, makes sense. He does. He does. He does. You know, if you really, you know, pick up, you know, watch the pieces carefully. I mm-hmm. know uh, it's always fun. It was great. And I thought this, you know, it's I thought this was actually going to be uh, for the first part of the scene i thought this was kind of going to be another of the in the in the chain of last week with ed sheeran where it was you know aria kind of refining her humanity a little bit you know meeting up with a friend eating pie together um you know comparing recipes like how many phrases do you use in yours <laughs> yeah that's funny but, but but ultimately uh he turns her uh north he gives her some inf- interesting information yeah basically tells her that Jon snow is king in the north and she's going to uh head back north instead of going to the uh king's landing which strong move i agree with the move smart yeah. strategy for aria now steven this is the second week in a row where we saw aria drinking yeah. do you think is the show setting up a storyline where Arya develops a drinking problem? <laughs> like, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of yeah. not. I mean, Arya doesn't drink for seven scenes of the show. Back-to-back episodes, Arya is drinking. And not just, like, holding the ale. She's like... <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually... Like, I thought of, like, the Hound here, where... And I felt like that's kind of Arya's arc has been like, am I, you know, where, where am I? Where do I fall? And as the Hound is kind of, you know, finding his humanity uh, in his moments, you know, as he's finding some kind of religion, Arya is sort of losing hers and becoming more of a killer. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I think that's the question. That's, that's where, where, what happens to Arya now? Does she go down the, the, merciless killer path or does she kind of become more socialized and that you know that was what the nemeria scene was about right yeah the hound tendencies uh could be with her uh the love of ale and and wine uh yeah so the dire wolf scene uh that happens in the episode steven everybody was pumped up this week Arya's is yes. gonna find nymeria it's all happening and what do we get is now I, I want to make sure that we are on the same page here. This is not Nymeria. This is it a, a Nymeria imposter? No, that this is Nymeria, and I that's not you. So they actually had a little little snippet at the end of the. You're referring to the "That's not you" line, is that right? Yeah. No. So this is Nymeria, um, and they had a little explanation from Weiss and Benioff or whomever at the end of the show. The inside look, uh, yeah. Yeah, that basically said that, that that's not you line is a reference back to when Arya in season one was having this conversation with her father and her father was saying to her like, oh, you could become a princess and like wear pretty gowns and like do so things. And Arya said, that's not me. And so now here Arya is and she's saying to Nymeria, hey, let's go to Winterfell and like be friends with everyone and like hang out and be domesticated. And the mirror is like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna hang out with my pack and be like awesome, you know, wolf queen. And so when she says that's not you, that's Arya recognizing that you know, Nymeria is basically taking the same path that she is. Right? She's the the killer. She's she's uh, the huntress. 
And I actually wondered, like, after we see kind of hot pie pulling Arya back to her humanity, you know, here I am giving you pie, right? Like the most civilized possible thing, you know, talking about browning your butter and like turning you north to Winterfell. If now this Nymeria scene is like going to remind Arya about this like feral side of herself, like is she going to just be like, you know what? I'm heading south now, actually. Yeah, that's really interesting on a number of levels. So do you feel like that Arya in this metaphor, Nymeria? Arya ends up going off. I need to be with my pack. Does Arya go out to try to track down her pack? And I mean, and who is it? Hot Pie and Gendry? I don't know. I mean, maybe her pack. I mean, maybe her pack is, you know, the other Starks, right? Like, I mean, although then she is kind of going to like home and domesticated, uh, you know, life. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe her pack is just like her and the how. Maybe she joins up with the Brotherhood. You know, I could see that. I mean, she doesn't want to see her family. Like, I get it. She doesn't want to be this uh, domesticated person. But, I mean, she spent her whole life trying to avenge her family. She doesn't want to at least, like, hey, guys, I'm alive, just so you know. Just you know, I'm not going to stay, but let me just yeah. check in. Yeah. I would be disappointed if we don't get that Arya Stark reunion. But I think that's ultimately the tension in, that's happening in Arya, right? And, like, where she comes is the question. Like, does she become – does she stay with – the you know does she turn towards the family side or does she turn toward the more violent side now was any part of this was nymeria still pissed about the way aria treated her back in uh, <laughs> that second episode where it's just to reset that for people who don't have that long of a memory uh so they were playing rough and was it uh was it uh nymeria or was it was it lady is that sansa's direwolf uh one of them one of them nipped joffrey right yeah, lady, like savaging Joffrey. Yeah, and, and then King Robert said, "Put the direwolves down." And Arya is like, uh, "Like has to tell Nymeria, hey, get out of here." And she like throws a rock and like, "Hey, get out of here, you stupid thing, yeah. get out of here, I hate you." And so she goes. But Nymeria seemed pissed about that. Like Nymeria was just like playing this over and over again in her head these last seven years. Oh, Brendan Fitzpatrick, correct this. It was Nymeria who attacked Joffrey. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, just like you've got you know uh, Elena Tyrell, you know. <laughs> fuming about the death of her daughter and everybody's just replaying their own bs (laughs) over and over and over again yeah why did they say that to me that was so bizarre yeah that was yeah i didn't do anything wrong i didn't deserve that and theon you know he's he's got living in his ptsd all these people are i've got uh yeah ptsd a lot lots of grudges as jason Piquet says yeah the wars of the past are all still uh being played over and over again in everybody's mind Uh, so we saw a lot going on with sam at the citadel again this week and there was a little bit of discussion after last week's episode about what's going on with jorah is he a prisoner of the maesters at the citadel Uh, i had said i thought that maybe like the citadel is sort of like the center for disease control where maybe they're sort of like looking at things and it's seems like that was at least they were studying what was going on with Jorah before they were going to send him out. But Sam is going to attempt to perform a scalectomy, I believe is the proper term. I think that, you know, the, the question has been, how do you get g- grosser than last week? And uh, they had to find a way. And it turned out that cutting off the, the scalectomy is the uh, is the way to uh, outgross last week. Yeah. Now, Stephen, this is really top of the line, you know, medical uh, experimentation going on. Right. So you have these people that for all these years that they had this grayscale all over their body and like, oh my God, what do we do? How do we get rid of the grayscale? Sam has this really 
impressive technique. He says, what if, (laughs) okay, hear me out. What if we just cut off all the grayscale? Oh, God. (laughs) Think about it. No. Think about it. And also apply ointment, Rob. You're forgetting the ointment. <laughs> yeah. No. Stephen, Josh and I had been speculating, and I know that there was a lot of talk on the Game of Thrones Reddit as opposed to uh, many other places on the internet. And there was a lot of talk about how in the pages of the books that there was uh, that 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 he needed to ingest the dragon glass. If if he could yeah. ingest dragon glass in some sort of powdered form, that could be a cure for grayscale. I see. Well, that doesn't seem to be the the way that Sam is going with this. No, Sam is really he's uh, yeah uh, he could be uh, one of the Boltons after this. That Jorah was a flayed <laughs> yeah. man after yeah. uh, he gets through with him. So we'll see ultimately how this goes. Can't imagine that. The Archmaester is going to be happy about this. Yeah, you know, Archmaester specifically said, can't do this. It's too dangerous. And, I, you know, I know that Josh thinks the Archmaester is going to have like a bigger role as like maybe a, a, a villain in the High Sparrow fashion. But I think he's just like a fussy academic, you know, who's like, yo, you can't do that, you dummy, you know, just like classic, like fussy academic. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see ultimately how this goes. I mean, it might be a success that Sam yeah. might just be booked solid through winter with doing scalectomies. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess once you've cured one, you know, you're going to be in high demand for other, for other, uh, you know, stone men. I mean, Stephen, but this really could be a major game changer if we come into the next episode and Jorah Mormont is healed of the grayscale. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be a huge change. I mean, I think we're all kind of waiting for like what Jorah's point in this story is, right? He's so obviously committed to Danny. You know, there's going to be some big thing he does for Danny before this show is over. You know, I think I had kind of imagined it to like him, him like hobbling as a gray man, like into his last great fight. But, you know, maybe he just comes out like guns blazing with like lots of bandages or like swords blazing, or I guess not blazing because he's not, you know, he's not Barakondarian. But, you know, uh, you know, just lots of bandages on. All right. Speaking of guns blazing, we take Cersei downstairs with Kyburn, yeah. and that yeah. they too have this really cutting edge technology <laughs> that they are working on. And How are we going to kill a dragon? Yes, and they and they got and they and they were. It was like the Manhattan Project of what? Yeah. How can we kill a dragon? And then just suddenly, Cersei was like pacing around the room. She tripped over Joffrey's crossbow. Eureka, (laughs) we got it. What about a giant crossbow? That'll do it. it What if we threw a pointy stick really fast at the dragon? Like that was basically their solution. Yes. So if we could get a giant spear to go through the dragons. Yes. Yeah. Is Legolas available? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was really expecting something like you know crazy out of kyburn i mean obviously this is the guy who created sir robert strong from the corpse of the mountain you know and uh for him like oh, like let me show you my devious plan to be like i i made a really big crossbow mm-hmm. uh, a little underwhelmed yeah because in the preseason josh and i were talking about the dragon horn and right. is that gonna play a factor it's like no what if there was a really sharp stick <laughs> yeah. that went right through its eyes? 
Boom. Pointy sticks, you know, don't don't underestimate the power of the pointy stick here. I mean, what the, yeah. yeah, the the crossbow torpedo I don't know how is this going to, I mean, like, uh, who is aiming this thing? Yeah, and, and like, basically, you get one shot with that thing, and the whole army is wiped out. So maybe maybe it works on one of, like, the less important dragons. Perhaps, perhaps. You think that we lose, like, like, like the sand snakes? Like, we end up losing, like, uh, like two of them that don't matter? Yeah, like Viserion or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Still got two dragons. Yes. Yeah. As uh, Nick Louise says in the chat room, stick them with the pointy end. That's what you do with the crossbow. <laughs> that indeed. Yeah. You know, Stephen, what do you think about uh, Cersei? She gathered all of uh, the lords of uh, you know uh, the King's Landing and of the Reach and, and tried to hype them up and talk about how you know I'm hearing you know a lot of things about this uh, Daenerys. She's not all she's cracked up to be. I heard she crucified a bunch of people. It's not good, uh, and she's really trying to uh, turn the tide against Daenerys. Yes. And I, again, like, I really liked how these people's actions in the past are coming back to haunt them. You know, she's crucified people. You know, she's, you know, she's got this army of foreigners. Like, you know, we got a band together. We're Westerosi, like Westerosi strong. Um, It was interesting. You know, I think, you know, of all of her bad pitches, you know, this was maybe the best one she could do, which is to kind of play on that fear. Steven, I thought this was a great night for Cersei. I mean, she really came into this season uh, and you felt like she was a long shot, but I feel like a lot of things broke her way tonight. Yeah. Uh, And it seemed like, you know, she it seemed like she kind of got some of the noble nobles on her side. Um, Really, most notably, right. It looked like Jamie Lannister was able to convince Randall Tarley uh, to, you know, side with him. How how did you see the end of that scene? You know, you had a conversation between Randall Tarley and Jamie Lannister. You know, Tarley says, you know, we don't stab our allies in the backs or cut their throats at weddings. And uh, Jamie says, you have to make a choice. Do you fight with us or with the foreign savages and eunuchs? Um, where did you was that kind of saying actually Tarly's going to be on their side now? Yeah, I think so. Especially when Jamie sold him on being warden of the South. I think he's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. That's better than uh, what Lady Elena is uh, is promising me. thought it was a also great scene where we had a return of Sam's brother. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dickon. Dickon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because oh, Jamie's like, oh, I'm sorry, what was your name? Rickard? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Dickon. Dickon, <laughs> not Rickard. Please. How thrilled must that actor have been to have his like big moment? Dickon. Dickon. Dickon is yeah. back. Stephen, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the antithesis of Dickon, uh, let's talk about what was going on. Uh, the yeah, love connection, Stephen. Uh-huh. And let's 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 talk about this. Let's ex- let's explore this. Misande and Grey Worm. Um they've got some deep love and feelings for each other that transcends, you know, what yeah. can or can't happen in the bedroom. Although some things can happen in the bedroom. Some things can happen. And Steven, I, I thought that the, the, the moment between them, uh, it started off very sweet of, right. okay, you know, uh, you are my weakness. And I've said the same about you uh, all the time <laughs> and you're yeah. my weakness. And, that was uh, that was you know a great way to get into it, and they finally and they kiss, and I would have been okay with that. Uh, I would have been like, nice. Hey, that was fine, but yeah. then uh, Miss Miss Sande just yeah. uh, disrobes. Starts down. Yeah. Just, she just she just like she's standing there, and she just disrobes, and I and uh, you know this, I, I've never been in this experience. I've never just had anybody just say okay, I'm going to take my clothes off, and then uh, she's just standing there. 
And then she's like, uh, she wants to go for it. Yeah. And he's like, no, you know, that's, that's not right. I, you know, I've been mutilated down there. Right. And right. she's like, I want to see you. Right. And uh, I really felt like that she was uh, very forceful with the issue, Stephen. Yeah. Well, oh, did you feel it was over too much? I mean, it turned out pretty well. Yeah, I guess so. for her. Like, for you know, her. Yeah. It turned out well for her. But I felt like that it probably should have had a conversation about this. I mean, she's yeah. like she's like uh, you know ma- making him do something that he didn't maybe want to do. I thought he wanted to. He he may you know I thought ultimately he did have the he moment got really where he was it. staring at her at one point. So yeah, so good for Grey Worm. Yeah, you know what? And I guess it really shows that the uh, you know the the slavers can't totally destroy their. I don't know. I, I got nothing for this one. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. More. Hopefully, uh, the, the the books can explain more about this uh, storyline, Stephen. Yeah. Well, it was. You know what it was though. It was like a nice moment of human connection in an episode where we had a lot of uh, arguments, a lot of politics. You know, certainly a lot of battles and death at the end of it. And this was a really nice human moment of just two people, you know, connecting with each other. Yes. Uh, but did you feel like that? That was the harbinger of uh bad times to come for gray worm or miss sunday i feel like that may- i could definitely see losing a gray worm here in season seven yeah i can see gray worm as a casualty of you know whatever big assault and uh i mean we think he's gonna take castor well this whole plan to take casterly rock who cares like when is- has anyone even like thought about the importance of casterly rock before don't you want to see casterly rock though i do want to see casterly rock yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. i'd like to see it i'd like to see it if we could sort of have a cutaway to it but <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean what's going on in casterly rock kevin lannister no didn't kevin die in the oh, was uh, he was he at the uh at the trial so, right I thought maybe, maybe he, the uh, chat can tell us if Kevin was there yeah. or not. I feel like that he went home. I feel like he took his ball and went home during season six. But uh, I mean, I would love a return of Kevin. Maybe Kevin Lannister is the prince who was promised. <laughs> Could be Kevin with an A, <laughs> yeah. uh, Prince yeah. of Promise. Okay, uh, so let's get some of your questions here on the live show as we uh, start to uh, wrap things up. Okay, uh, yeah, Brett confirms that Kevin was in the Red Keep. So yeah. would have been a good day to call in sick for uh, Kevin Lannister. <laughs> All right, uh, Brendan Fitzy wants to know how will John and Davos react when they get to drag. Stone and Mel is there. Do you think now, Stephen? Remind me going back to season six. I mean, did Davo, did Davos and uh, Melisandre? How did they leave things off? They they sent her away, right? They did send her away. I don't remember like what specifically was said between those two. I mean, they were. Uh... Because yeah, Davos it found the stag, the, the right. and found out what she did to Shireen. Right. So he, he Davos is aware of what happened to Shireen, and I think you know I think people have been predicting that you know if Davos and Melisandre come back together, uh, Davos will not be thrilled with her. Uh, Stephen, this is from John Smith. Uh, could be a fake name. Uh, is Tyrion <laughs> just trying to prove to Danny that he has no allegiance to his former house uh, since he plans to attack his home castle, Stephen? Tyrion has been on quite the cold streak, uh, really, since season four. He ends up going out to the east, and I think he's lost a few miles off the fastball. He has not had a successful plan in quite some time. I mean, uh, think back to season six when he was trying to sell the Masters on this. uh, Okay, first, what we're going to do is we're going to repeal the policy of slavery, and then we're going to replace it 
with this other uh, well, it'll, it'll take effect in seven years. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredibly popular bill, and yeah. it was uh, all just a stalling tactic. So, Stephen, Tyrion, I I don't know if he's a great uh, hand of the queen. I think Varys might have been a better way to go. Do you think that we're supposed to side with Tyrion here? Like, because whenever... Tyrion says something, you know, because it's Tyrion. I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds really smart. What a great idea. Um, but then it does. They are all terrible plans. Yeah. I mean, he was right on point with Blackwater. That Blackwater was good. I think that, that was you know, point. Stephen, we talk about this a lot. Sometimes, that I think that Tyrion is somebody who's better at playing from behind. I, I don't think right. he knows how to play with the numbers, uh, with the advantage. He yeah. ends up sort <laughs> of hard. like, he's getting too cute with everything. Yeah. Right. The, the You have three dragons. You have a fleet of ships. You have a number of armies. You just attack the city. Just go. Just go in, swoop in. You could even fly over King's Landing and just like drop, get dropped off right in the throne room. Kill one person. And then you're, you know. You've, you've done it all. You don't have, it doesn't have to be a slaughter. Right. I mean, uh, Cersei blew up all of King's Landing and people seem to have no problem uh, following her uh, among the uh, the capital. Yeah. I mean, I get the idea that like, you know, Danny wants to prove herself. She wants to not, you know, come in and, you know, burn everyone to death. But again, like war, there's going to be a lot of dead people no matter, no matter how they do it. But it did seem that in and uh, Tyrion's weak for sure. Okay. Kelly Lynch wants to know, do you think Arya will run into the Hound en route to wherever she's going? That's a great question. I mean, I, like I said, I think like the Hound, rep- you know, that it certainly represents some part of Arya. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I really wouldn't. What do you think? I think they do end up meeting up again with the geography here. Arya, she left the twins. She went south. Now she turned around. Now she's going back up north. The Hound was already heading north from the end of season six. Do they end yeah. up sort of like like meeting up some way? Does Arya know a shortcut? That I don't know, but I expect them to meet up at one point. She would have to go really fast. I mean, there's only one of her, but it doesn't necessarily make her faster. I mean, it's not like they've got some like baggage train. I don't think the Brotherhood do they? <laughs> right? Maybe I don't know. The hand gets distracted on on something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from uh, Cindy, who says uh, maybe saying Danny needs to make her own decisions instead of them uh, being yes. made for her is uh, the answer. Does Danny need to counsel with herself more? I think that's right. I really do, and I think that's what Elena Tyrell's point was. You know, be the be the dragon. Um, I, I that's really you know just just be yourself. You know, she's got these instincts and, you know, she keeps on letting people basically convince her uh, not to pursue this path. This is from Jason who says, uh, what is Jamie's next move, both as an individual and the leader of the Lannister forces? So where, what's the next part of this for Cersei and Jamie? Does Euron come back with Ilaria Sand? Yeah, it seems like the next move is the next thing that's going to happen is like Euron is going to come back with Ilaria Sand, right? Like, um, Maybe they'll be executed. Maybe they won't. Um, but then that's going to be sort of some kind of proof uh, for Cersei that Euron is, uh, you know, for real. Um, and then I guess there will be some kind of alliance between those two houses. What? What then, Rob? That we don't know. We'll see uh, where we go from there. But then, what do they set their sights on? I mean, uh, that uh, I think that it's probably maybe uh, turning against uh, either the Dornish, the Dornish army, or against the uh, Tyrell army. With uh, yeah. we now, now you have the Tarleys. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, great episode for C- Cersei. Definitely gets the black fishy for this episode. Uh, she, she, uh, you know, she through through politicking, she was able to kind of uh, reach out to the Tarleys and, and maybe get a key trader in the reach. Uh, you know, through battle, you know, her her designate basically Euron destroyed the fleet that was coming to lay siege to King's Landing and captured all of these key figures. You know, huge huge moment for her. Uh, the tide is turning, so to speak. The tide is turning. Would you say that Danny is on the run yet, Stephen? I mean, she still has the dragons in almost all of her army. So but I don't they have so. a crossbow. They do have a crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Stephen, uh, so much fun to go through everything. I feel like that uh, we're really on a roll with this season. Uh, let's put yeah. out the hashtag uh, scalectomy. The scalectomy. Uh, no, no question. That's an easy one. That's I wrote that term. one down. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stephen Fishback, uh, great job uh, once again. I'm having a lot of fun on these Sunday nights coming right on, especially tonight. I mean, this was like to go what right from that battle scene into talking about this. This was great. I'm really excited for next week. I'm really excited to see what happens with Euron, you know, just how he like brings his badness to the next level. Yeah, we'll see. And only five episodes left in the Game of Thrones season. Crazy. It's crazy. All right. I uh, can't wait to do the deep dive with Josh Wiggler. I'm sure he will have a lot more insight on this episode after everything that he is uh, writing over at Hollywood Reporter. You can follow Josh on Twitter. He is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Stephen Fishback is at Stephen Fishback. And of course, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. Stephen, anything else? No, this was so fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Rob. All right. Thanks, everybody, who's joined us live here tonight. Hope to see you next Sunday night on postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.